from NowVeryBad.com. A special bonus episode of Now Very Beast, Iron Maiden, the next 10 years. But Mike, I want to, since we're talking about Stratego, certainly yeah. a stronger song on the record, you were the first to air the concern that I had felt but not said. And, and I wonder what you think about the record as a whole, because unlike writing on the wall, this song made me worry about what Bruce was going to be in the mix. When yeah. I heard this song, I thought, oh no, like was writing on the wall the song where we get to hear Bruce and he's going to be you know, thrash production where the guitars and everything are so loud that Bruce is still there, but we lose him because at points in this song, we lose Bruce a little bit. We definitely do. And this is where um, I remember we, we were talking because I, I felt obligated, even though it was sort of like airing your fears that you, by, right. by giving yeah. voice to them, you're afraid you're giving them power, that I was very keenly aware that this was the first time we were hearing Bruce recording in the studio since he had had the successful... Uh, cancer treatment um, that Book of Souls as brilliant as it was it was in the can before right. he went into treatment and that live is what live is you know I mean look we all love seeing these guys live we all love what Bruce is able to do live and we can get carried away with hyperbole and just being like they sound as great as they ever have and of course the answer, that's just not true it's just it's factually <laughs> it's, factually it, it, it's just factually false right. that they sound amazing you 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 have to right. stay away from hyperbole just like, like the review, they sound yeah. just like they did in the 80s no they really they, really, they really don't. don't and that's okay they yeah. couldn't they shouldn't sound yeah. like that they sound great for what they do and they sound fantastic and you are uh, never right. gonna look find me asking well, for my I, I money think, back i think the best way to say it is look they've aged gracefully Yes. We're all getting older and you can do it well, you can do it poorly, but we're all doing it. Mm -hmm. And as, as you know, Robert Plant said, the toughest thing in the world as a musician is to compete with the younger version of yourself. And I think and that he, was especially hard in his case because <laughs> the younger version of himself was very poor. <laughs> so, but I think in, in Maiden's case, they've, they've done a really good job yeah. uh, of, of still putting out a show worth seeing and, 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 and really giving their all when they play and taking it professionally. But, but, but yeah, Bruce on this song is a little bit buried at parts. I will say, Mike, without getting into every song specifics, yeah. I don't think that's true every song. I it think, is not. It is. I, I think it oscillates. Demonstrably yeah. not enough to make you wonder what is leading to that perception. Because we talked a little bit about this earlier, the concept of is he not as loud in the mix mm -hmm. or is he buried in the mix. And I, I think that, that you pointed out that it's not a volume thing so much as the issues we've already talked at length about of just there not being any real air to breathe. There's mm -hmm. not enough space in there. Mm -hmm. And that because he sings now differently than he did in the past, he's not singing above that wreck Right. That, that, not wreck, that, that traffic, mm -hmm. you know, there's this traffic in the mid range that he is no longer soaring above. He's sort of in there with them right. and he's sounding a little bit lost in there. And so I was very concerned that 
this was an intentional move that maybe he his voice just really was not going to be very strong on this record. And so they were doing a little bit of proactive defense here and and melding him in. And the answer to why I'm wrong is Days of Future Past, because his voice soars right above everything yes. else. And so my question then is, if it's not a problem with the mix, although I, 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 I well, do it, think that there it is part of it is absolutely the mix. And, okay. the, and I'll throw the dart at the other thing I don't like, which is the the overdependence on the same patch on a keyboard sample or real world keyboard. Mm -hmm. And whenever they use it to double what Bruce is doing, I feel like it's a backup singer to suggest that he's perfectly hitting a note and it's, it's a waste of space and it crowds the song. And okay. So then, so this was my other guitar based question for yeah. you on this is that, and I, I tend to attribute this to, songs that Harris has written or partially written. Yeah. Which is not strictly true, but I have found it's probably not an insight that I've found that Yannick writes very much like Steve Harris. Yeah. He knows how to get his songs on the albums yeah. because they sound like Harris wrote them. And I don't say that because I think he's being mercenary about it or he's intending to do that. Yeah. I just think that 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 he tends to write a lot of tunes. It's well, yeah, like in a band Harris. that's been going 40 plus years, he's still the new guy. Right. And so, <laughs> uh, although it's interesting, he's he's done as many records as Adrian has. Oh, of course. If you do him, count them out. But, so for better or for worse, every single time that I hear a guitar doubling the vocal line, I assume it's Yannick. Mm -hmm. Is it? Most of the time, it probably is. It sounds it's, more like Yannick. I can't it's say 100%. definitely not Adrian. It sounds like Yannick, if I had to guess, get without going into every song, it seems like something Yannick would do. It's not something it, Dave and Adrian used to do. So, it, Well, that's that's why partially why I assume that it's him, uh, is that because, again, he writes a lot like Harris, I think that you're going to hear a lot of that. And honestly, it gets back to my thing of, what the hell are these three guys finding to do in the middle of a song that's very straightforward? And I think that that's why we're getting... So I, I don't know what chicken and egg here. I don't know if the guitar is being put there to back up the vocal or because the guitar has nothing else to do and you don't need a third person playing bar chords or if it's an intentional songwriting thing yeah I, to, it's a to, tough one to, know, to boost it because i've wondered why what yeah why did they go to that but it's all over the place it, it's and all, it yeah. really leads to that feeling of sameness that i think that we've whenever we're really being critical of maiden well, i think what we're really criticizing most of the time at least what i'm criticizing is the famil over familiarity when well, it's yeah. something where you're like man this was good the first time I heard it when it was called a different song four albums ago. But Well, I think that's the other thing. We all heard that this album, they were going to take risks and do weird things. And in credit to them, they did. Mm -hmm. But they showed us that mostly in a couple songs. That, you know, Writing on the Wall is, is a very different song for them. It's got, you know, whether you want to call it Southern Rock or however you want to describe it is different. I think it's, it's the most different song on this album in a lot of ways for a Maiden song. I saw someone post online that, there, that Dickinson had made a quote early on saying, I think people are really going to be surprised with a couple tunes that are really, really different. And they're saying, just wondering, does anybody know what these, these were? Because yeah. I don't 
really hear that. And I second that. I, again, I think, yeah, writing on the wall arguably is a very different sound. I'm not sure what else I would nominate for that, that role. Yeah. I think it's a very traditional record. I mean, well, the one thing I would say, I mean, Senjutsu has some parts that are different for them. Mm. Hell on Earth has some parts that are different for them. Those are the feels like a Dickinson solo record vibe to me and at passing in part because they're doing some things in what sounds like um, in not straight minor. You know, they're doing some some other scales, some other keys to produce. And they are famously hyper dependent, you know, on a couple harmonies and a couple patterns and where they get away from that, it sounds startling because they're, wait, they're playing E and then F and not F sharp. And it's giving it that Middle Eastern vibe. <laughs> like, wow, like that's only happened in 10% of their songs. So I think that small deviation for them, which I think does happen in um, two or three songs, is, yeah. is probably like it's in Senjutsu. Uh, I, I don't remember where the other ones are. But but yeah, for them, that's a lot. But other than writing on the wall is the only one that's starkly different for me. I agree. And that's because there's acoustic guitar in like half the song. And Maiden is not an acoustic guitar song. There are an acoustic guitar intro and then, you know, they throw bring it, in the it back in the very next track, Lost in the Lost World. Um, <laughs> that 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 sounds this is going to be the most backhanded compliment. In mm -hmm. fact, it's not going to be a compliment at all. Lost in a Lost World to me sounds exactly what a bass player sounds like when they play a guitar. That and I'm it. a bass player, so I understand exactly right. what I'm copping to there. Yeah. That's exactly what we sound like when we start to play guitar for the first time. Yeah, the nadir of this album for me is is in fact this song. This like yeah. in the end, we've no said question. we've said a lot of harsh things about parts of these songs. In the end, there's only one measurement of maiden songs as a fan it's will i listen to it again or not and everything else is details which we could we could argue about forever a lot of the songs on this album i would listen to again if i were to make a mix of this album that song uh, the fourth song will, will never appear in any mix because the, it, it gives me nothing it's a long wait for no delivery the lyrics are, are nothing and and this is where i'll insert my joke you know the alternate title for this album <laughs> would be like uh, somebody needs a hug, colon, the musical. And I say that for two reasons. <laughs> this, this is a very dark album, lyrically. And it's interesting to me to think about what headspace were they in when, you know, when they wrote this in 2019. You know, there's the apparent good news of Bruce surviving cancer, which was not certain to happen, never mind him being able to sing reasonably. They're coming off of a, a very successful leg of probably the most profitable tour but, of all time. I'm but, not sure where to attribute their negativity to. I know, to. but to being the citizens of the world that they very much are, very, very globally aware, at least some of them, Dickinson, uh, at a minimum, having read his book and, you know, and seen him speak publicly, mm -hmm. he's, he's very aware. And I think some of the, the shift to the authoritarian world that, that we were really in the middle of in 2019, I mean, without making this a political podcast, mm -hmm. I don't just mean the U.S. I mean, you know, the U.K., what was going on with sure. Brexit, what was happening in former Soviet satellites and in Eastern Europe and even parts of Europe, the, the rise of the alt-right and fascism and, you know, climate change becoming inarguable. There was a, a lot of sort of high notes for bad news at 2019, not that having a pandemic yeah. shortly thereafter was like the slap on the back upgrade we were all waiting for, but 
I do feel like we survived that first wave of authoritarianism, the return of it. And I feel like this album was written when we were still in the middle of that first wave, when it was still like, I can't believe we're re-legislating some of this stuff that we settled in the Second World War. And if there's one thing I'd say about this album that it, it does well is that it captures that feeling not of 2021. I don't think this, is, this album does not sound like it was written for this year. It, it, when I listen to it, it feels like a couple years ago to me, yeah. thematically. It, and it's, it's a very much a lyrics reaction, not a music reaction. Well, thank God you're saying that because everything that I'm reading is talking about how, how prescient this is and how it feels like a record for today. And I'm, I just keep shaking my head like, I don't have any idea where you're coming from with that. I, I don't get that at all. I, I, I really haven't taken the deep dive on the lyrics uh, to, to determine that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't disagree. I'm just saying I, I really haven't taken that kind of an analysis on, on how dark it is. Um, well, I mean, I, I, here, I'll, let me just, I'll jump through it quick. So let's go yeah. through, let's just go through the, you know, the, the 10 songs. So Senjutsu is the prepare for fighting song. It's got that good getting ready for battle vibe, classic Maiden theme. Yeah. Part of why we all resonate with it. Oh, Maiden saying get ready for war. We're, we're in happy times. Okay, Stratego is okay. Now we're actually fighting. Another like, all right, I'm in. Here we go. We're on, kid. Then we take this kind of right turn into the writings on the wall, apocalypse, plague, famine. Once we were glorious, you know, now the glory's gone. Okay, okay so the war didn't go so well, and things kind of suck now. Okay, and here we are lost in a lost world. Say no more. The title kind of... Kind of hits the nail on the head. Well, Buffalo roam on the plane, according to these, these lyrics here. <laughs> and Days of Futures Past, they had to have seen the X-Men movie because we know... They haven't mentioned it once. That's the funniest... The I first don't thing believe I, it. Yeah. No, but the funny thing is that... So watching these, these promo videos before the album, Adrian came up with Days of Future Past and Darkest Hour. Right. Both of them, he said that these were song title ideas he'd had for a long time. And in Days of Future Past, oh, sure. he made no reference to X-Men and said he was a little bit worried because it was an old Deep Purple song or something by that name. And Darkest Hour, he really didn't make a connection to Churchill. And I'm like, I, I, I just don't really know what to say. You know, as a lyricist, Adrian is a good guitarist, you know? I mean, yeah. I mean which is funny because when he's written lyrics... He writes really good ones. It's just he doesn't do it a whole lot. Right. It's it's hard for me. So because the Days of Futures Past comic by the X-Men from the 80s. Right. It's true that 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 line was used before the X-Men. But and for these guys, purple is, of course, much more important than a comic. But Days of Futures Past was probably the I'd say one of the two most important arcs in all of the X-Men, which is why I was happy they made it a movie, which was good, but not great. Um, but needless to say, it's not an upper of a song. Waiting for the judgment. But the judgment never ends. Exactly. The time machine, I, I kind of don't know what to make of that thematically. I need to read the lyrics. But it's certainly not like a thumbs up, everything's great song. I just want to put in two points. Yeah. Just a, a quick comment here because I'm afraid we're going to forget it. Time machine is one of my top five. Okay. In Interesting. fact, it's probably one of my top three. Interesting. Students on this. I, I haven't heard a lot of love for that one online. It, it's a divisive really song. Enjoy it. It's it's some people's favorite and some people's least favorite. Yeah, I mean, ever the way with Maiden. I will say 
that song's kind of middle of the pack for me. It has some great parts. I don't know that it's a great song, but there are certainly parts that commend it, as as I could say about so much of this album. Well, I mean, it has it comes with the should be you know copied in HTML and reprinted ahead of time to save us trouble later. It could use a haircut. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, it's seven minutes and. Oh, Particularly the outro, it does that same thing that you were talking about before, where the book bookends yeah. that are completely the intro, maybe the outro, definitely, definitely not. not. Yeah, agree. And uh, you know that song, a five and a half minute version of that song. I don't even think you'd have to 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 slash it. Just just a little bit of a trim on that. I think that would be incredibly tight. Particularly with where it falls on the record, that coming after. Days of Future Past. I mean, I, I don't mm-hmm. want to interrupt your your, your uh, lyric, your, yeah. your, your tone takedown of this, but I just want to say before it, this comes off as too negative, that I think that if this was a nine song album, yeah. if you lost the lost without a chorus in a lost world song, <laughs> if you lost that tune entirely, because it is... It is the biggest problem with this album. I'm not even sure I think it's the worst song so much. Is it's it's a problem because it really disrupts the flow. Senjutsu yep. Stratego writing on the wall. Yep. That's a huge opening punch. Oh, yeah. Three great tracks. It's, it, yeah, if you could only listen to one. Then you part have of Lost the in a Lost World, which is really feels just not worth. Right, and it feels longer than it is, I will say. Yeah. like that, the, the, That's the exception to the thing where you're like, I don't understand how this song ended up being eight minutes. That song, oh yeah, I know how long that song is. <laughs> but then Days of Future Past, which I think is probably the strongest song in the album. It has a riff. For those that of you that are like, Stratego can you meet and write riffs could go, anymore? Yep. It go either way with me, on depending on the day. I think it's the strongest tune on the record. Time Machine, again, could use a little bit of a trim, but it's not a life or death thing. I, could, I can live mm-hmm. with it at... at at its current length. Darkest Hour, very strong tune. Mm-hmm. Death of the Celts. This one we'll have to talk about. We'll yeah. have to talk about that. But I would say, if it were if it were up to me, I would make this an eight song record. I would yeah. lose the parchment and I would lose Lost in the Lost World. And it would be so much addition by subtraction that if you didn't even touch yep. any of the other songs, even if you left them at the bloated lengths that they are, right. you would still have so much finer of an album. Yeah, and Mike and I will commit right now to making that fan remix. We'll post yeah, it, see definitely. what happens. But I mean, I and I'll honestly, I even though I think the Parchment is the weakest song on the album, mm-hmm. I, I I recognize that a lot of that in my mind is because it's so long. And you're and also it's tired. Probably not as yeah. bad. And it. I it, I have the exact same problem with it that I have with Lost in the Lost World, which is that it ruins the flow, and that by the time I get to mm. the parchment, my feeling about the album has gone totally down. Yeah, it's like a movie that the first two acts are amazing, mm-hmm. and then trips at the end, and you walk out of the theater feeling like, boy, that really wasn't good, forgetting that you really enjoyed it until you didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, maybe why that's Hell on a, Earth feels so strong is because in the company it keeps. It's like the bad CGI at the end of Wonder Woman, a movie I really liked, the first one, but the CGI at the end was just so bad. I'm like, you, you could have just ended this movie 10 minutes earlier. I, 
I would have liked it even with that resolution. Mm. But I agree. So I'm going to just... Yeah, so but, so we're, we were left off with so, the themes So some, Yeah, somebody Dark needs a hug. Yeah, so Death of the Celts. And I'll freely admit, before I even heard this song, I didn't like it because <laughs> I'm tired of, of Harris thinking he needs to write songs about the liberation of every ethnic minority he can find in Western Europe. Like, just let it go, dude. All of which were subjugated <laughs> by, by, by the, the English. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so so I just I was predisposed to not like this song. I I, I think it, it has its redeemable moments, but fundamentally it's still a like, you know, because it, it could be said, you know, the 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 Celts are brave. They'll go to their grave without fear. They believe in God, but he's still talking about them losing. Like, you know, <laughs> OK, but, but I'm going to give you a trade you can make right now. Yeah. If you could hear Death of the Celts and never hear the Klansmen again. I would take that trade oh, yeah. every day. I would too. I would. I, I think that as yeah. as yeah, far I, as condescending imperialist <laughs> songs go, that I much prefer his take on the Celts to the Scots. Right. And I, I can, be, I, just not having that freedom chorus. Oh my God. That 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 song is in knowing everything we know about Mel Gibson, it, that song is just pure comedy now. It is a Monty Python moment in the set. They should really never play it again. I don't care if some people like it. It's it is just entirely the joke on them. So, so yes, I would take that in trade. I'm not even sure what the parchment is about. It, it, it at times, I, it. I mean, I know what it's about, but 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 I will I will singularly give Harris crap for just forcing garbage into Bruce's mouth and giving him way too much to say. It's like, look, dude, if you want me to read a history book, just mail me the book, but don't try to put it into a song. Um, conversely, Hell on Earth, a much simpler song, so lyrical, and for a song with such a bummer title, it actually has um, a much more major feel and positive vibe. I'll see you on the other side. Strong. Yeah, it, it, and so the whole album is not a bummer. It's I'm not, a good. It's a good tune to end on too. It's a strong end. Yeah. So, but but this album is a, is a bit heavy on the darkness for for a Maiden album, and they're not shy about that. Um, it's not, it's not really a criticism so much as it's just an observation. And I think it says a lot about where they were in 2019. Um, I think if they make another record. I bet it's not going to be like this at all. I think it's probably going to be the inverse of this. I think it's going to probably be a lot more positive about a lot of things. This just, just a guess. I can't even what if on that because I, okay, it's September, whatever. Fourth, sixth. We'll see I think they should make an EP. Not the, the this chances year. of of Maiden recording an 18th studio album go. Uh, I'd say one in four. One in four. That's pretty low. Yeah, oh yeah, no, I I don't think they necessarily have another album in them. I think I think thematically, and I say this with nothing but love for a band that's made a lot of albums. I don't think they need to make another LP. Like guys, an EP is fine. Write two great songs, do or three, and then do a couple live versions of songs from this album. Do that yeah. in 12 months. That would be fantastic. Perfect. You don't need to make another LP. With what you divined from the, uh, the crowd-pleasing, democratizing yeah. nature of making sure everybody gets their piece, I don't think they could do that. I don't think they could ever be okay with that because it would really affect their power dynamic 
But I don't know. Maybe that's I mean, not true because after all, and we haven't even talked about this, Dave Murray, no song credits right. on and, this record. And let's be honest. I mean, to me, if the album's going to be good, Smith has to write something. If the lyrics are going to be good, Dickinson has to write something. Mm-hmm. If there's going to be an album, Harris has to write most of it. Um, like that's, those are, I think, your, your, your table stakes. Does and here's my, here's my controversial hot yeah. take on this. There never needs to be a Dave Murray song ever again. <laughs> well, there have only been, what, three? There have been a lot more. It used to be a real anomaly because I know people are making a big thing about it. Like, well, no, oh, there's mean, no Dave song. I'm like, there usually wasn't a Dave I mean, song. I had my compass set by in, in Maiden in 88 when in Maiden England, when um, um, Bruce makes the joke on stage, mm-hmm. this is a song by Dave Murray. It's a bit like an elephant having a baby doesn't happen very often and it takes a lot of work <laughs> and that was always the joke and it's, i think that we we like most people you set your mind at a certain point right in the intervening years he wrote quite a bit more mm-hmm. i'm not saying whether that was a good thing or a bad thing you always know when it's a dave murray song right because it starts they all start off exactly the same with a long slow bluesy guitar intro before mm-hmm. picking up they all sound exactly well, if anybody like in the band so, is tired i mean he gets my sympathy because other than harris he's the only person that's been there forever and never had a day off never did a side project never left i mean adrian wasn't there from the beginning and left dickinson wasn't there from the beginning and left nickel wasn't there from the beginning albeit he's never left but dave has been there since the Soundhouse tapes I mean, Dave has been there since nobody but him and Harris were in the band. So, I mean, dude's tired. <laughs> like, Dave, take an album off. We love you, buddy. This is not, this is not a comment yeah, from this Storm. Is a, a, yeah. This is not an anti-Dave. Dave Murray gets all the love. I mean, yeah. Dave, Dave is, is marvelous. But as a songwriter, he's a great guitar player. Um, he's written a few tunes. And I, I think, by and large, as I say, early on, it was true that, like, he saved them. Like when he came up with one, it was worth listening to. Right. They, and they and let's great, be honest, as a guy who plays in a Maiden tribute band, if you're looking at the early albums, he gets all the big solos. Mm-hmm. All the solos that people that have no idea what they're listening to but love Iron Maiden, those are all Dave Murray. Yeah. Dave, I mean, I, I, I love Murray un, unreservedly. I'm not putting the, the, the hate on him in I mean, the slightest. Number of I'm the just beast, saying that I'm not yeah. clamoring for more. Murray, I would I would put it this songs. way: without Dave Murray on Number of the Beast, there's no Iron Maiden in 2021. We're not talking about them. The band never gets anywhere because oh, sure. he was the dynamite on that band. He was what took the great rhythm work of Clive Burr, Dickinson's you know fantastic vocals, and then turned it up to eleven. They were a great band without him, but they were an unbelievable band with him in a time when having a guitar hero was important. Right, he was their guitar hero. Absolutely, no good. All, all love to Dave. I'm just saying, if you don't have a song that's ready to go, yep. I have no objection. Exactly. I'm not reading between the lines. Lo- no, I mean, I'm reading stuff. People are like, oh, God, I hope this doesn't mean he's like on the outs or whatever. I'm like, what? I'm like, this is very modern thinking on here. You have to go back to the album credits pre, you right. know, 94 or something like that and be like, these things were like, you know, very rare sightings in the wild. Right, right. What? So like still life, afraid to shoot strangers. When I think of like the Dave songs that he wrote. I'm so glad you brought up afraid to shoot strangers. Every, uh, I I think it was the parchment that I was listening to when I said, you know, in some regards, I think every single Steve Harris song 
the past 20 years reminds me of Afraid to Shoot Strangers in <laughs> some way or another. Oh, no, that was definitely part of the blueprint. I would say, you know, when did it all work out better? Like having listened to these three songs now several times in the last three days yeah. to better understand them, I feel like so much of what they were going for works, so much of it misses, depending on the song and what part. But for me, yeah, that was that was the beginning of the idea that we could do this thing. And then I think of songs that did it much better, you know, um, Reincarnation of Benjamin Brieg, which I think mm, I love that. Fantastic song, fantastic video. And I think the video, so unlike Maiden, a video really crystallized the song in a positive way. Seeing the younger and the older versions of them at the same time. I've never seen it. Oh, the video you should really see. Famously, Iron Maiden couldn't make a yeah. good video to save their life. <laughs> their videos are really you know, uniquely not good. Writings on the Wall is a rare treat because it's actually, you know, a video that's really interesting to watch. I've watched more than once on purpose, which I can't say for videos other than Benjamin Brieg and Wasted Years. Because even if I love the band, unless it's live footage, most of their videos are a, kind of a shambling embarrassment. A funny one. Um, but yeah, Benjamin Brieg and of course a song we, we both love. Uh, Isle of Avalon. Um, if if you didn't like that song, if you don't know that song, if you've listened to this album and thought, you know, there was something here and I bet they've done it better. They have. Yeah. <laughs> and it was called Isle of Avalon. And you'll be like, wow, this does some different things. It's experimental within the relatively narrow lane of what Maiden does. Very interesting soloing on that album. It'll be really good to, to go through, um, you know, but, so the plan here is we're, we're going to do some some album reviews and, and yeah. really they'll be a lot more focused than this. Than this <laughs> yes. Because yeah. we, we so get another yes. crack at it, this. We it, get it. to do this again 18 episodes later right? as a proper so, right. structured review instead of what it really is, which is day four of a world in which Maiden has 17 studio albums. Right. And we're just trying to get our minds wrapped around it. We're trying to figure out how this fits into everything we know or think we know and everything that we love and everything that we make fun of and all that sort of stuff. This is now part of the family, to borrow what you said right, earlier, right. that, that this, is, this is the newest member of the family. That's right. And we got to figure out what we're thinking about it, which parts we're happy to see around the dinner table, which parts we're not right. going to talk about so exactly. much. Yeah, don't invite him over again. <laughs> yep. Because, I mean, if there's one word that you have to come back to when you're listening to this, it's gratitude. It's just, yeah. be, I'm just so grateful we have yes. a 17th studio album. Right. I will take the warts with pleasure. Really, I mean, I'll I'll definitely pick up the needle and you know right. just skip around a little bit. But honestly, I really feel like, with the possible exception of those two tracks, um, more good than bad here. Even on the tunes that I think don't entirely land, it's usually that same reason that I mm -hmm. think they're just. I hate to keep saying too long. It's oh, that, no, it's too, not that they're too long. It's that they're not directed well enough. Right. Uh, yeah. That they, you know, we we're Maiden fans. We we sort of get get drool in the mouth when we see ooh big long epic tune. You know, really deliver. We, we yeah. love those, but 
You know, I, and at the risk of being, you know, old man yelling at Cloud where he thinks everything in the 80s was better or whatever, there really was the high water mark for me always was, always will be Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner mm -hmm. because it was so unusual. It, it was a much bigger risk. So yeah. long. They had to it, argue it, with a label. They had, yeah. It, it was two or three times longer than anything else they'd ever done. Right. It was a tremendous statement. Well, I think and that's, yeah. Having four or five of those on a record is not a statement of anything positive. Right. No, it's it's very clear that, that constraints force creativity and, and limits inspire. And in an album where there weren't limits that didn't inspire creativity, it, it left too much room for excess. It's it's just that simple. And it's, it's you know, I, I don't think it, any more needs to be said about that. Yeah. But I agree. I'm grateful the album exists. I said before I even heard it, look, I, I really don't need another LP from these guys. I'm in it for the highest notes, not for the average. Mm -hmm. I'm in it for the songs that I'll go back to not the songs that will get a C plus or a B minus. If we only got the singles, I'd be happy. Right. Let's make that very clear. I thought that both singles were incredibly strong. And when we were talking about this in the lead up to the record coming out, it was very much the same thought of, give me two good ones. You know, right. get, give me a couple of really good tracks. And I hate yeah. to say that I, I, over the past couple of days of listening to this, I'm still thinking in the old mindset of, well, they're going to do a, rec a tour. And I always have respected the hell out of Maiden that when they do an album tour, they're promoting that album. Right. They're going to play, you know, it, half the set. They're going to yeah. play like half the album or something like that on there. They're going to really go for a lot. Mm. And I live in fear of mm -hmm. the Senjutsu tour in well, which they're going to shoehorn in a number of these nine-minute tracks. Well, here's, here's my prediction. Yeah. They'll do one, two, and three. Definitely. They, they have to do Darkest Hour because it's it's the new slow song. And I think they're crazy if they don't do it. They might I don't know not. why you would think they would be looking for a new slow song to do. They don't do many of them. It's true, but, I mean, it's, it's a novelty that they have a new one. But, I mean, I think... I, I think they some, have to give Harris at least two of these four songs. Oh, he wrote four two. Which he is. wrote four songs for them. He wrote like one chorus to split among all four so, songs. So as far as my I can bet tell. is, he's going to do "Death of the Celts." I would say that is an ironclad a lock. <laughs> that is an absolute. You heard it here first. That is a lock. If it's they do a the tour, pick, but it's what for the album, do. and they don't do that, I will be astonished. And, but they won't do Braveheart. It, which is the which is the trade off we talked about earlier? They're not going to do "Death of the Celts" and "Freedom" in the same song. Oh my God! I would I would I would go get a drink because yeah. and this is you know we need to wrap this up but it, but you know this is not a insightful comment I'm sure but at a certain point and that point if you are keeping score at home was "Fear of the Dark." Uh, Harris and to a similar extent Gares realized that any song you put a singable guitar line in mm. was going to be eaten up by soccer hooligans around the world. Right. And everybody and who, yeah. who wanted to, to sing along to these students live because it's fun. We like to do it too. Right. And 
they they recognized that that was money in the bank and since then mm-hmm. the there's so much of yeah. that there's so many tunes like that and this is one of them so i think that i i'll have to listen to these enough to so i will probably make my determination on what the second tune will be by listening to how many singable guitar lines there are right well they have to do senjutsu it's a no-brainer opener they have to do writing on the wall they could skip Tritiga. They could. That would be a shame. I would hope they would. Days that of would be Futures the Past. worst decision of all time. They should they do could. Days of Futures Past if I had a vote. Right. Because it, it's the song with the riff. That's the other. You know, this album very strong on melodies, a little and light it's on short. Riff. They could get through right. it quicker. It's the other strength it has. Uh, but hey, to take the piss so, out of us. So after us beating them up for this being too long and unstructured, uh, we've recorded a long and unstructured session to reflect. Yeah. Oh, it, it certainly is that. I, I, to I unironically in, reflect the album. I, I live in fear of how we're going to chop this up. But I mean, closing thoughts. It's a great. It, it's great. We've got a new Maiden album to talk about. What? The only thing better than having an an album to gush about is having an album to complain about. Right. You know, the, and it, it's just, it's all good stuff. And like I say, I think that we're going to, uh, you know, with the show, we're going to, I'm uh, going to be starting to do the, the next 10 years uh, going through the single releases, but I'd like to, you know, pepper those in with doing more free form sort of review and bullshit yeah. sessions like this. Uh, Cause I think it's a blast and I hope you all do as well. And, you know, let us know. Let us know if uh, we're, we're totally off base. And uh, because it's the only thing better than talking about how great Maiden is, is arguing about it. <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, uh, thanks for the four of you who are tuning in. And uh, we'll talk more. Cheers. Take care, everybody. <laughs>